0: In the Kriya this week, we read the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Am Yisrael that most of us are already familiar with. Kedoshim to you. You should make yourselves holy. Kedoshim. Now, there are people who when they hear these words, they think it's only a preface to the upcoming mitzvahs in the Parsha. You should make yourselves holy by keeping Shabbos, by eating kosher, by not worshipping Avodah Zarah, and all the rest of the commandments mentioned in the Parsha. Kedoshim to you is only a preamble to the real thing, the mitzvahs. That's what they think. But it's not true. Kedoshim to you is a commandment in itself. See the Ramban. Get busy making yourself holy, says Hashem. So how do you do it? How do you make yourself a Kaddush? It's something everyone should take a little time to think about. What's a program for me to become a holy man? Should I say a lot of tehillim? Maybe. Finish Shas? Could be. Could be, that's also included in the mitzvah. But let's listen now to what Chazal have to say on the subject. On the words, Kedoshim to you. You should be holy. Our sages tell us in Torah's Kohanim, perushim to you. You should be abstainers to become a, K- a Kadosh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you have to learn how to say no to yourself, to abstain from some of the worldly pleasures that are readily available to you. And it's not something optional. It's a command. Learn how to separate from this world. And the more you succeed in this avoyda of precious, the more holy you become. The Gemara in Tatanis says, Kol ayoshev Bitanis, anyone who fasts, voluntary fasts, not a public fast, but an individual who accepts upon himself a voluntary fast Nikra Kadesh. He's called a holy man. And we learn this from a Nazir, it says there. A Nazir, because he volunteers to abstain from wine. That's why he's called a Kaddosh in the Torah. The Torah puts a crown on the head of the Nazir, a crown of Kedusha, Nezer elokav al-Rosho, Bamidbar, just because of his abstinence. Now the Mesilas Shishorim has a section on this subject of Prishis. And if you take a look there, you'll see that he brings many examples to prove to the reader that it's a mitzvah to train oneself to abstain. To separate from things in this world. He quotes from Medrash Pisikta a statement about Chizkiah, the king of Yehuda. Chizkiah had a royal table, and every kind of delic- delicacy was available to him. He was a king after all. But the Medrash says that at meal times, all he ate was a plateful of vegetables. Now, what he did for proteins, I cannot tell you. Probably he wasn't starved for that either. But if you'd be able to take a peek through the palace window and see how King Chizkiah is having lunch, you would see a plate piled high with vegetables and greens, spinach, cabbage, other similar things. That was his meal. And Chazal praised Chizkiah for that. It says about him, oichel The tzaddik eats to satiate himself, Mishlei. It means he eats for a purpose. Green leafy vegetables are certainly helpful. They're purposeful. And although he had expert cooks, expert chefs who could concoct for him pastries of every kind and delicacy of every kind, his kia never ordered that. Maybe for his guests he did. But for himself, he avoided any kind of superfluities. He was happy to eat his fill of ordinary cheap available green leafy vegetables. That's how this great man, the king of the Jewish nation, lived. But what Parshus Kedoshim is teaching us is that it's not only for great men. Purushim to you. All of you should make yourselves holy by means of abstaining. We're learning now that there is an attitude of Precious that is highly approved by the Torah. Of course, it needs training. It needs thought when yes and when no. Sometimes there's a precious, which is forbidden. It's harmful and therefore it's wrong. Let's say a man's diet is deficient and he's not willing to eat nutritious foods. He's potish from healthy foods. So he's a sinner. It's forbidden for him to deny himself the pleasures of a normal diet. He should eat from all the good foods that he needs. Here's a man who's potish from speaking. That's also good. But what if a man refuses to greet his wife? Or to greet his friends? What if he won't spend a minute or to console someone who is suffering melancholy? With a few friendly words, he could cheer that person up. But because of precious, because he doesn't want to break his principle of keeping silence, he won't do it. He's a sinner. The word precious means to separate oneself from something that is permissible, but not essential. That's what the parish decides to do without. And so, even though we strive for abstinence in as many ways as possible, we'll soon talk about that. But of course, it should be done in ways that don't harm other people and don't harm your health. And yet, there's no doubt about the principle of kosher prishas is extremely important and it should be an ideal for all of us. Whether you're capable of fulfilling it to a big extent or even a small extent, every Jew should aspire to some measure of abstinence. Now if we're going to be perushim in this world, it pays for us to understand why we're doing it. What's going to be of our motivation for being abstainers? So we look again into the Mesilus him, and we see that he says there that our intention when we are perush from superfluous things is because we want to be misrachek min ha'aveda to keep away from doing what's wrong. Kadesh atzmicha be Make yourself holy by means of avoiding even what is permissible according to the letter of the law. Yvamas. By being far away from even permissible things, we will be protected from coming into contact with forbidden things. And therefore, anything that might lead you to something wrong, whether it's harmful or it's sinful, so even though right now this matter does not cause it, and the matter itself is perfectly permissible, nevertheless, the Poetish already abstains from it because of the possible consequences. That's how the Mesil HaShodim understands this quality. For example, let's say someone eats without control. We're talking about a man who eats only the best hechsherem, Liebers chocolates and Potsky's candy and kosher danishes. And he eats, and he eats. And now that he's constrained to eat anything that his eyes see, it is difficult for him to from forbidden foods. If the doctor tells him that sugar is dangerous for him, it's very difficult for him. He does it. He tries. But each time it's a struggle, because the desire for eating has gained mastery over him. When a person, however, abstains from unnecessary things, when he eats only wholesome and essential foods, so he learns self-control, the Rambam says that a person should eat only what's good for him. Not like the dog and pig that eat only what's pleasant to their taste buds. And the Poetish trains himself to do that. He says no, and no, and no to himself. And by means of that, he builds up his no muscles. And now, besides for being healthy, it also becomes easier for him to say no to worse things. If he will ever be confronted by something forbidden, he says no, because he's already habituated to deny himself certain things. Of course, you can practice this in various ways. Let's say you're sitting home, you ate a good meal, and now they put on the table a piece of chocolate cake. So you say, it's enough, I'm satiated, I don't need it. Or maybe you're at a kiddush, and someone offers you a drink of whiskey. Nu l'chaim, he says. So say, thank you, make a shahakal, drink a drop, and when he's not looking, you pour it down on the floor. If it's a carpet, don't do that. But if it's linoleum, then you say, L'chaim! And he drinks the whole cup, and your cup, you pour it out onto the floor. The best place for whiskey is on the floor. Now I'm not telling you what to do. If you want to sit down tomorrow and eat everything, that's up to you. But if you want to fulfill the words of Hashem, Kedoshim to you, you're going to have to start training yourself to be an abstainer. Now this applies to every aspect of life. Not only to eating, it applies to talking too. You know, the Vilna Gaon, he says that the best precious is when you don't talk. He even recommends a tanis dibur. Once in a while you set aside a day where you won't talk at all. A fast from talking. There were good Jews who used to do that. And if you would meet him on a certain day, if you spoke to him, he would say, today I can't talk. I suppose it was a day when he was off from work and he was able to hide in a room. And if he would take a walk by himself on the street and somebody asked him, mister, can you show me where this and this street is? So he'd motion with his hand. He'd point, mm, mm. Of course, he'd like to open his mouth and show what a big macher he is that he can show directions. Go there, make a left, make a right, and get a big thank you. But no! he keeps his mouth closed. However, you don't have to go through such extremes. If a person trains himself to abstain from careless conversation in general, if he accustoms himself to keep his mouth under control, that's already something big. And by means of this peritious, from speaking extraneous words, so it becomes easier for him to keep his mouth closed when he falls into a company where he might have earned many veris by means of his mouth. Let's say he's sitting at a wedding where he's sentenced now to remain for three hours in one seat. And he happens to be next to chatterboxes, feather-headed people who like to talk about everybody. Now, had he been a man who never learned to control, so he would fall into the trap. He'd spend three hours being a chatterbox himself if he hadn't prepared himself with the lesson of Kedoshim to you. So whenever there is conversation, he gladly and merrily joins in. And when he finds himself at the Chazinah, these three hours could be his undoing. A few hours of Lutzonus and Lashon Hara and Onas Devarim, and now the rest of his life could be spent atoning for that one occasion. But because he's a poetish, because he already accustomed himself not to open his mouth unless necessity requires, so he sits and makes it his business to pay no attention to what they're saying. Or he finds excuses to go to the lobby. And even when he returns and he's sitting at the table, he spends most of his time in dignified solitude. There's also Precious in looking. If people accustom themselves that they look only when it's necessary, when you're crossing the street, it's very necessary to look both ways and look again and again. But once you reach the opposite sidewalk, your eyes are glued to the sidewalk. And you don't raise your eyes again till you get to the next street, unless somebody greets you. Then, of course, you raise your eyes in order to fulfill the mitzvah of mechabalus kol adam bisever panim yafas. You greet him with a pleasant cast of countenance. That's also Polish. He doesn't look where it's not necessary, and certainly when he passes a movie theater. He doesn't read the billboards, and therefore he doesn't have any desire to see unnecessary things. He has the strength to turn away, and therefore, what may be an isoyeon for someone else, for him it's nothing, because he doesn't even see it. He has no urge to enter a movie house, and no urge to look at a television. It's easy for him to keep away from sins because he gained control over his eyes. He's not tempted to look in places where the eyes don't belong. The Poyrish has trained himself to utilize the gift of sight for important things, like making a living or dealing with people the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands. Otherwise, he's a Poyrish. There's also such a thing as Poyrish in Spending. Wise people will train themselves not to spend an unnecessary quarter. Just because things are available, you have to spend your hard-earned money. The signs say, come in and save. But you decide to stay out and save more until you saw the sign. It never occurred to you that you needed anything. If there's no need to buy it, if you can be without it, so leave it in the store and keep your money in the bank. People who are in the habit of spending money, however, so they become slaves to that urge. And just because things are displayed in windows, many times they buy them. And sometimes that's the beginning of a lot of trouble. And therefore, people who are chary, people who are stingy when it comes to spending money, are better off because they're not tempted to do time. Wasting and wasting money. Wasting and wasting health. Wasting things. When someone offers you, let's say, a sightseeing trip in Greenwich Village, so it doesn't even tempt you, you tell him, I have better sights to view, because you already know that your own street is more beautiful than what you'll see there. And it's safer too. When people, however, have the urge to look, and the urge to spend, and the urge to eat, and the urge to talk, they are slaves to a variety of desires, and they are always one step away from disaster. And that's why the Purush of the Mesilis Yishorim makes it his business to be under control. Now I only mention a few examples. There are more branches of Precious. If you put some thought into it, you will be able to discern in what areas of your life it pays to be a Purush. But whatever it may be, hatzada Shave Shibahem. The common denominator, according to the Mesih is that it keeps a man from coming into contact with forbidden situations, with things that are usher. And now we're going to study the subject on a different level. The Chayvis Salavavas also has a big section called precious It's the same subject, but he approaches it in entirely different way. Not that he disagrees with the Mesilis Yisharim. Everything that we heard so far is accepted by everybody who understands what Torah is. But the Chayvis HaLavavos teaches us that there's another compelling reason for learning how to abstain from the superfluities of this world. The Chayvis HaLavavos there tells us that in order to understand the motivation for for Precious, we have to first understand that a man comes into this world in order to fill his mind with thoughts of Hashem. You should love Hashem with all your mind. Now, the Rambam to Shuva. when he talks about this mitzvah, he said that it's impossible for a person to love two things at once. Let's say you're head over heels about some hobby or some interest, then it's impossible for you to concentrate on our kolich barukh and the great attitudes and ideals of the Torah. And so the Chovas explains that this is our motivation to abstain from this world. We need our minds available for higher things, more valuable things. We're introducing now a glorious ideal and it's described by by Shlomo HaMelech in Mishle as follows. Suppose you have a storage compartment that you rent for $10,000 a week. Would you put your shoes there? It's too expensive to waste on that. Only the most precious furniture you bring there because you cannot waste an inch of that valuable space. Your shoes you can leave in the hallway. So Shlomo tells us, "Ubedat chadorim yimalu kolhon yakar vinoim." By means of knowledge of thoughts, the chambers of your mind will be filled with all precious and pleasing furniture. Mishlei. Your mind, after all, is the most expensive apartment that you can find. Every inch is valuable real estate, and therefore it must be left uncluttered free of any kind of superfluous furniture in order that you should be able to move in the necessary things. We need space in our minds for all of the valuable furniture of the Torah. That's what the mind is for. Only we don't do it because our minds are cluttered with superfluous things. Suppose you're thinking of some punny thing, of some argument you had with someone or some little interest, some little hobby so that clutters up your mind and it prevents beautiful pictures from entering your brain. It's the law of physics that two objects cannot occupy one space at the same time. In your mind, you have to have pictures of the creation of the universe. A glorious picture that is described in the beginning of the Torah. Everything came ex nihilo, out from nothing. And everything was formed in such a glorious sequence. First, all of space, the firmament, came into existence and then this earth was created and then the dry land emerged from the waters and then a light was created and then the sun subsequently came. Each phase of creation followed one after the other, a glorious picture. It's a pity that people don't realize that this is some of the furniture that should be occupying your mind. Now, if you want to be a Superman, if you want to be a person of higher nature, so when you walk tonight out of this place, from here to the corner, you can spend that minute thinking of the one who created the universe out of nothing is now looking right at you. Try that. That's a very valuable piece of furniture. When you're walking home from shul in the morning, when you're, waiting in the, in, when you're waiting in line at the grocery store to buy a bottle of milk, so instead of filling your mind with cheap furniture like thoughts about what type of cereal you'd like to have for breakfast, you'll begin to move inexpensive furniture like thoughts of the Briyasa HaOlam, Yesh Ma'ayin. Spend one minute in picturing the creation of the universe. The entire Torah is built on that preface, even when you're learning Bamidbar, you're learning, Devarim. You should remember that. It's all based on B'riah. Yesh me'ayin. Why shouldn't you think every day, at least for one half a minute, about Mata You never heard about that? It's a Pasuk in Devarim. cha l'cha, pen tishkach et ha asher ra'u enecha. Be careful. Be very careful. Extremely careful that you shouldn't forget what your eyes saw at Har Sinai. The day that you stood at Har Sinai, oh, what a day that was! A tremendous day that never happened before or after in the history of the world. People heard the voice of Hashem. Hashemah am Elokim. Did a nation ever hear such a sweet and dreadful voice? They died, they fainted, and had to be revived. It was an excitement, a fearsome experience, and yet the most happy and joyous experience ever. You must have room in your mind always for such a great picture. The picture of how a baruchu's voice thundered from Har Sinai. Put that furniture into your room of your mansion, your mental mansion. Now, if you have in your head everything, every mishugas, every stupidity, then you won't have any room for these important things. So let's say you have in your mind the beautiful ideal of an automobile. Your mind is filled with thoughts of tinkering with the engine of your car. Maybe you're obsessed with worrying about the tires or or washing your car. You're thinking that tomorrow morning, if you have time, you'll take the vacuum cleaner and you'll vacuum clean all the upholstery of your car. So it's car and car and car and more car. Your mind becomes a car. Instead of filling his mind with beautiful furniture of Torah ideals, it's filled with oil changes and carburetors. Now that's only one example. People's minds are filled with all types of things that are superfluous. Clothing and money and expensive gadgets. Food and travel and other things too. But suppose a man has no car. He has no expensive toys. So his head is empty. Of course, having an empty head is also not desirable either. But now, if he's interested in moving things into the empty apartment, so he can begin transferring the beautiful furnishings of a royal suite into his head, and he can turn his mind into a beautiful palace. He moves in a golden bed and golden chairs and golden goblets and other beautiful furniture. And he moves in, for example, a picture of Yitzias Mitzrayim. Leman Tiskur, in order that you should remember, All the days of your life, a picture of Yisias Mitzrayim. Now I understand that people who do lip service are satisfied to fulfill their obligation to say the words morning and evening, and then they forget about it. But if one wishes to build up a mansion full of delightful objects, he tries as much as possible to fix that as a permanent fixture into his mind. He's always aware of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Now, as you train yourself to abstain from the less important things in this world, so over the years you gradually add more and more apokhtaneses into his royal apartment of the mind. The more you value every inch of space, the more time you'll spend thinking Torah thoughts. And it all begins with a mind that is uncluttered with the superfluous things of this world. In Mesechthin Adorim, it says, "Shal chumitam." They sent a message from Eretz Israel, He's haru bivne aniim. Be careful with the children of the poor. Shemehem Se because from them Torah will come. So it means they sent from Eretz Israel a message to the Manhigim of Vavil. If poor boys come into your yeshiva, make a special effort to be Makar of them. Poor boys are diamonds because greatness in Torah comes from the poor children. So the Ran asks, why from poor children? Why is that especially from the poor families will develop Tamidir HaChamim? And he says that it's because poor children have nothing else but Torah. Because these boys never had anything else in their minds. They didn't have good times. They didn't have money to spend. So their heads are full of an ideal. A poor boy sets out to the yeshiva and he's thinking only of Gemara. He loves Gemara and he intends to become a guggle, whether he'll become a big guggle or a small guggle, but he's an idealist. Whereas a rich boy who sets out to the yeshiva, he has an expansive watch and an expensive toy. He has to have a car and maybe he has a radio too. He has a lot of things to keep him busy, but everything costs not only money. It's worse than that. It costs space In the mansion of his mind, he's thinking about his camera and good times. And even though he's a firm boy, a nice, decent boy, but his head is too full of other things. Poor children have much less opportunities to waste their lives. When I was a boy, I never had a bike. I was such a poor boy that when I wanted to buy a little hammer, it cost 25 cents. In those days, I couldn't afford it. It took me a long time, but finally I saved up the 25 cents. And I bought the hammer. That was a big thing for me. We didn't have any toys. Baruch Hashem. So he's Haru. Be careful. Bivne Anim With the poor. Shemehem. Se Toyda. Because Torah will come from them. I'll give you a mashu. A man sits down at the table in the morning. And he should be eating a wholesome breakfast. But instead he eats some other junk. With a lot of flavoring in it. He eats a sugar cereal with a soggy greasy donut. And now he didn't get the nourishment that he requires. And he gets a bellyache. He walks away from breakfast with a belly ache, And now there's no room in his stomach for the good food, the real food that his body needs. And that's what happens to your mind when you fill it with thoughts of sugar cereal and soggy donuts and fancy cars and toys and gadgets. There's no more room anymore from the, for the real pleasures that Hashem wants us to enjoy in this world. And so the Chovah Solavovah says that Precious is the solution. It's the function of clearing the mind of things that are not necessary so that you'll be able to deposit there the more important matters. Abstain! Don't get involved in superfluous things. If if every type of food is good for you, then you don't devote too much time to your meals. And you have time for the important things in life. But suppose you must have delicatessen. You must eat out. It means you like to collect germs in other places. And you want it this way and that way. So you have to devote time and thought to that. And it leaves less space for the important things in life. Now, of course, you have to work. If a man doesn't work... He's involved with idleness. He's starting up with depression and other mishugasim. Sometimes he gets involved with sins too if he doesn't work. You must work. You must live normally. But don't get involved with anything in Olam has it. Don't fall in love with anything in this world. If you don't need a car, don't buy a car. If you need a car, then you can't help it. But don't put the car into your head. There used to be an advertisement on the buses. It said, get involved get involved but our motto is don't get involved stay out of it and that's the precious of the khayvsalavavs keep your mind clear for the great function for which you were created you live only once in this world so shouldn't you utilize your head for glorious ideas we want to keep our minds clear for the great thoughts that ought to be occupying our minds. With that, your chambers will be filled with all precious and pleasing furniture. And now we come to another level, a third motivation for our Voidus of preaches. and its being an abstainer, is what will make you happy in this world. Now your ears perk up. That's a precious that people would like to follow in this world. But in order to understand this, it's important to first set down that one of the most common things that causes us not to be happy in this world is the pursuit of false pleasures. People think, this is fun. Let's do it. This is happiness. Let's get it. Over there, we'll enjoy ourselves. And by means of that pursuit of empty pleasures, they cause themselves to be deprived of the greatest pleasures in the world. Happiness that is much more genuine and much more accessible to you. And they don't find happiness when they run after it. Even when people set out to go someplace for a good time, when they come back home, they see it was a disappointment. You go to the movies and the lights come back on again and you see that it's nothing but a fake. The story actually never happened. It's only a film. There's nothing to it. Others think that it may be that maybe they'll find happiness in amusement parks or roller coasters. And if you're a besserer mensch, so you'll have bigger hasagas, bigger dreams, and you'll fly to the Bahamas to search for happiness. And trust me, you won't find it there either. You won't find happiness in the Bahamas. Bigger mosquitoes than here in Brooklyn. That you'll find there definitely. Maybe some new diseases from the islands you'll bring back. But happiness? No. Because for happiness you have to labor. And when you try to find happiness that easy way, by going to the ball games and amusement parks, so it may be that you can find a thrill, some fun. Yes. But happiness? No. Life becomes one big disappointment. And yet we know that this world is not a place of disappointments. Hashem's world is a happy world. We know that our Kadosh Baruch Hu is a tov amesif. We cannot begin to live in this world successfully unless we assimilate the ideas into our bones that our Kadosh Baruch Hu does everything for the purpose of kindliness. Oylem chesed yebane He built a world of kindliness. to him. When HaKadosh Baruch who made the world, the first thing he told us was that we should know how good the world is. Vayar et kol ha'sher asa, tov And HaShem saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. Bracious. Now if HaShem would say it's good, not very good, just good, we would understand that it's superlatively good because his world is true. His good is very, very, very good. And so if he says tov me'od, that this world is very good, then you must understand it's very, 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 very good. When Hashem says me'od, it means me'od. He doesn't give his seal of approval very good unless it's very, very, very. And forever we won't stop saying very good. And not only is it a world full of pleasures, but they're available. They're accessible at all times, and our Kaddosh Baruch Hu expects you to enjoy them and to appreciate them. In Koheles it states, B'chol Sher Sha'alu E'nai lo atzalti me'hem Whatever my eyes requested, I did not withhold from them. Which means whatever he saw, he sampled. And the Gemara, Yerushalmi Kedushin says that if a person fails to enjoy this world, there is going to be an accounting a man will someday have to give a reckoning, an accounting before Hashem, on all that his eyes saw, but he refused to eat of it. That sounds good. It's a mitzvah. Whatever your eyes see, you should sample. And if you don't, you'll be held accountable. So we see that it is an ideal to make use of the benefits HaKadosh Baruch Hu created for us in this world. He wants us to enjoy this world. His world. So what are we saying now? That it's a mitzvah to train oneself to abstain from oilam Haze? So you must first understand what type of pleasures HaKadosh Baruch Hu is talking about here. And as an example, I'm going to bring out one pleasure that will surprise you. It will make it clear right away what we're talking about now. It states in Koheles, Ummatok HaOr V'tov Le'inaim Lirot Et Ashemesh. How sweet is the light How good it is for the eyes to see the sun. Now listen to what Rabbeinu Yona says in Sharet Tshuva about that Pasuk. If you're an old man, he says, and you already have no teeth and the other things you also don't have in old age. So you might think that all the fun of life is now gone. You have no pleasure in life anymore. But that can't be, says Rabbeinu Yonah. Hashem already said that it's a very good world. He didn't say it's a good world until you'll, until you turn 70 years old. He says, listen to this, because Rabbeinu Yonah, you have to know, was a practical and sensible man. I ask Michila from him for saying that. But it's the truth. What does Rabbeinu Yonah tell us is the pleasure that invigorates and brings joy to the old man? Sunlight! If he earns and learns to enjoy sunlight, then he'll never be unhappy again. And we have to understand the joy of daylight. What a pleasure it is to see daylight. It's a pleasure. How foolish the world is. They live their lives and don't appreciate daylight. Now this is certainly unacceptable to many people. That's fun. Daylight? (laughs) It's so free. It's so available. But you're learning a big secret now. Listen to this sod. All the best things in life are free. Only that people don't know how to be happy with them. Like the Choyves El-Lavava says, people tend to ignore the Toivus Hakololus, the general pleasures that everybody has. And they seek only Toivus Miuchadus, pleasures that only they have and nobody else has. If he has something that nobody else has, then he's happy with it. Only that is a pleasure, he thinks. But the Chayvah Salavava says that he's a fool. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to enjoy the gifts that he's giving to everyone. The fact that your neighbor is benefiting from the sunlight. So that makes it any less enjoyable. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving and giving and giving. And we just have to keep our minds open in order to study the gifts. And to enjoy them. And you're going to be held accountable for not enjoying them. It's a great happiness to enjoy daylight. How silly are the people, the boys and the girls, that walk out into the street and they have pockets full of money. They want to buy candy and nasharai. That's fun. So we say, throw all the garbage away in the trash and look at the daylight. If you get all of that garbage out of your head, you'll finally be able to enjoy the sunlight. Of course. They look at us and they laugh. Ha ha, you're a lunatic. Where did you escape from? From Bellevue? So we tell them that we escaped from the land of the Chayvus of from the land of Torah ideals, where daylight is fun. Now sunlight is just one example of how a podush, an abstainer, lives a life of happiness and kadusha. We're just beginning the career of fun, only that our fun is the real fun of life. Do you know how much fun it is to have two eyes? Two eyes! But everybody has two eyes. So what? Ask a blind man what he would give to get back one eye. Just one eye. He'd pay millions. He'd go crazy with happiness. The pleasure of eating a piece of bread. Ah! Ah! Eating a piece of bread as you sink your teeth into the piece of bread, and the saliva flows. It's a tainug. That's one of the greatest pleasures in the world. The pleasure of drinking a glass of water. Water. What a pleasure it is. As it goes down your throat, ah, a life-giving substance. Learn how to enjoy a glass of water. The pleasure of breathing. Take a deep breath. You're drinking a cocktail of gases that gives you vigor. And makes your blood red and invigorates your entire body. Every breath goes into your body and gives you a new burst of energy. Breathing is fun. To have a roof over your head and walls and a door. And you can lock it. What a blessing it is to have a home. It's a happiness. Your home is your fortress. When you walk into a warm house, you should enjoy it. Say, ah, warmth is a pleasure. A real tainug. You never said that. Not even once. That's because when your mind is filled with phones and toys and donuts, there is no room for the pleasures of a warm home. Now, you can't always tell this to people because they'll think you're wacky. Here comes along a Sadik, And he says to me, you're teaching people that the purpose of life is ta'inugim? To be roydiv ta'inugim? Run after pleasures? That's Torah? He was upset with me. I was thinking, look, you have a wristwatch. I don't have a wristwatch. You drive a car when you come to the yeshiva. I walk to the yeshiva. Who is running after pleasure, you or I? You're running after it, but you don't have it. I'm not looking for pleasures. They're coming to me. I walk in the street with my two Rolls Royces, my two feet in my shoes. That's the Rolls Royces that I have. And I'm breathing the air of a Baruch Hu. I'm enjoying life. Every second. That kind of kosher tonogim is a chiv. It's a mitzvah gedoyla to enjoy life that way. But you'll never be able to fully enjoy all of these gifts of a Baruch if your mind is cluttered up with luxuries, with superfluous things, with substitute pleasures. You'll never enjoy the gifts of Hashem if you think that fun comes with traveling and other luxuries. Could be that you'll find some fleeting happiness, the piece of cake, And the trip to Switzerland might tickle your nerves a little bit. But you'll never be a happy person because of that. Only a potash, a person who has trained himself to separate from these false pleasures. He's the one who lives happily, extremely happily in this world. But not only will a person who accustoms himself to the empty pleasures not learn how to be truly happy in this world. But there is something even more that he's missing out on. I say that this is the fourth level of precious, the fourth motivation of the avoida of abstaining. And that is that a mind that is busy with pursuing empty pleasures will never be capable of finding happiness in serving HaKadosh Baruch When a person has artificial pleasures in his mind, he won't be able to appreciate the pleasure of avoidas Hashem, of doing mitzvahs. Now, for some people that might sound strange, but trust me, there's a happiness in doing mitzvahs. You remember Rabbi Akiva? When he stood Shimona Esrei, he wept bucketfuls of tears, mamish buckets of tears on Shabbos. So after he finished, they said to him, isn't it Shabbos? Are you allowed to weep on Shabbos? And Rabbi Akiva answered, I was weeping out of happiness. He was so happy, he was talking to his best friend, the one true friend that he had. It's like a child who comes home after a big absence and he's talking to his mother and father and he's gargling his words. He's pouring out his whole heart to them. He was among strangers and now he's back home again talking to the ones that he loves. The ones who love him more than anything. Rabbi Akiva opened up his heart to Akadosh and he was so happy he couldn't restrain the flow of tears. Copiously he wept. There's a happiness to tefillah. Like it says, I'll make them happy in my place of tefillah, Ishaya. It means that when you come to talk to Hashem, it's a pleasure. It's geschmack. That's what the old time Jews said. When they finished davening, they said, ah, a geschmack amar. But when someone has accustomed himself to superfluities, so he has no appetite, no understanding for these real pleasures of life, there's happiness in learning Torah too. Some people have learned how to enjoy learning Torah. For the person who learned how to be poydish from all the substitute pleasures in this world, there's a tremendous joy in sitting in front of a Gemara. That's why it's usher to learn Torah on Tishav. Divrei Torah misamchin es It's true happiness. It's fun to understand the svara of the Gemara, to understand the terets of toisvas. When you understand something that you didn't understand before in Torah, that's a joy. The Amoira Rava was so happy when he learned Torah that it was said about him in Shabbos, that he was so immersed in the love for Torah, in the happiness of learning, that he didn't know he was sitting on his hand. His hand was bleeding, but he was unaware of it because he was so happy with the Torah. It was a real love, a joy of Torah. Only someone who learned how to abstain from this world can understand the ecstasy of doing mitzvahs, of serving a Baruch Hu. You know, when a mother is cooking supper for her family, if she learns to enjoy the mitzvah, how happy she is that her children are going to eat what she made for them. How happy that she is fulfilling the shlichus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem gives bread to all the living. And she is doing that. She is a messenger of Chesed. Isn't that a privilege for an intelligent mother? As she stands and dishes out food to this child and to that child. She is a shaliyah of Baruch Hu. And she is so happy that her from children are relishing her meal. That's her delight in life. She's an oivet Hashem in happiness. Because she's not thinking about dresses and shaitels. I'm going to sum up the three levels of Precious. So you shouldn't forget them now. Number one is the precious of misericorshorem a man has to learn self control and abstinence so that he shouldn't become a slave to his desires and come to sin a man who doesn't have any control over himself yields more readily to forbidden things the second motivation for Precious is what Chavos Lavoves teaches us. A man must keep his mind available for all the great ideals of Torah, and therefore he shouldn't clutter up his mind with physical, material, material things. As much as possible, he must keep his mind open to fill it up with all the beautiful treasures of pictures of Torah ideals and ideas of Torah. That's the great success of life. To fill your mind with noble thoughts. With the beautiful furniture of Torah stories and ideals. Building a Torah mind. That's the great achievement of life. But it cannot happen in a mind which is occupied by substitutes. And the third motivation of abstaining from this world is so that you should learn how to really enjoy this world. Get out of your head any thoughts that Precious means to be Unhappy. Only that if you fill your mind with false pleasures, manufactured pleasure, pleasures, so you're going to ignore all the true pleasures in this world. Hashem wants you wants you to enjoy Olam Hazeh, but it's an art that you have to learn. Precious means to be happy without luxuries, to learn to appreciate the minimum, to enjoy all the simple pleasures of this world, the pleasures that are available always, and, and, once you empty your mind of all these manufactured pleasures, you'll find the true happiness, true and immense satisfaction in Avaydas Hashem itself. Torah, mitzvahs, chesed, raising children, be'ahavata, tishke, tamid. In the love of Hashem, you'll go wild with pleasure. And all of these things together add up to kedusha. Kedushim to you! Perushim to you not only will you be a happy person but you'll be far away from Averis. you'll walk through this world all the days of your life with noble thoughts in your mind serving Hashem in happiness while enjoying all the pleasures that Kadish baruch hu is showering down upon you constantly and therefore every Jew should aspire to whatever level of precious he's capable of because the more he achieves the more happy and kadush he becomes